Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back to America's Heroes Group. And this time we have our section with the roundtable and our partner, the National Nurses United. Today is Saturday, September 17th, 2022. September is National Suicide Prevention and Hispanic Heritage Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Cleveland, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. And our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have our partner on the line, Adelina Marshall. You've heard her before. She's a VA mental health nurse. And we also have a panelist and a guest, Carolina Stewart. She's a nurse, MSN, a CNL employed at the VA hospital and daughter of a U.S. Marine Corps veteran. Thanks for being on our show. We're going to talk about nurses' suicide rate, and it is rising. So what is going on? Hi. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to be on. Um, I can speak personally um, in the nursing community with some of the things that seem to be going on with the rising um, rate of suicide among nurses. And majority of it seems to come from the burnout within the healthcare organizations, from the short staffing to the nurses tirelessly giving their all to care for our veterans and not having necessarily all of the resources or the support that we need to be able to do that in a safe manner. Um, so that being one of the biggest things that, that affects us is our, you know, dedication to care for the veterans and not necessarily always being, you know, supplied with the staffing and the resources that we need. So what are some of the, some of the things that are being done to remedy this or, or is there awareness around this topic, Carolina? Well, the, well, yes, the NNU is working to, um, bring awareness to one of our um, contracts that we're actually trying to um, bargain for. It's called the VA um, Fair Employee Act. And inside of this contract, it would allow for the union on behalf of the nurses to be able to um, kind of fight for or bargain for more things within our rights, such as the staffing shortages and the hiring processes and us being able to look into why is it taking so long for the hiring processes of the different clinicians and the nurses that we need to be able to support our cause, Um, as well as some of the other things that oftentimes, you know, keep nurses and any, you know, working person interested. And, of course, their your salary and their wages and things like that. So in really being able to focus on the VA Employees, Employee Fairness Act, we're trying to bring awareness to everybody as well as having um, some of the senators and the congressmen who support this to be able to really pitch in to get our new contracts um, kind of situated. So how much did COVID play into this in our awareness? And then did, what did what was the result of, of a lot of the nurses and doctors going through that experience of COVID and being overwhelmed with all the cases of COVID and the deaths that told that ensued afterwards? Well, COVID, this is Adelina, COVID highlighted 
the shortages, the critical shortages in nursing and overall medical staff. Uh, for years, um, the hospitals, including the VA, had kind of disregarded the nurses' concerns about not having enough staff. And then here comes COVID, and many of the nurses and other medical staff also was inflicted with COVID and had to stop working until they recovered. During this period of time, they had no replacement coverage. It also put an, uh, a very uh, strong strain on the medical personnel that was still working, and especially the RNs. They pulled RNs that were clinical nurses, that were OR nurses, that were not floor nurses to, to care for these patients because they didn't have enough staffing. That itself created a stress and a strain because the nurses didn't feel they had adequate training to um, to care for these patients. So they had basic training, but they didn't have the specialized training that was needed to care for COVID patients. And so as we go into the fall and the winter, we don't know what's going to confront us. It is taken forever to hire. It takes six to eight hours months to maybe hire a nurse where, as we all know, if something catastrophic happens in the United States, we'll all know within 15 minutes who did it, why they did it, where they got the, you know, the supplies from to do this harm. But for whatever reason, it takes forever to hire a federal nurse, a VA nurse. And our nurses are also impacted with low morale, job satisfaction, you have to understand we work as a team, just like our veterans when they were in the service. They were a team. They were a unit. RNs are units. And when something is missing from that unit, it impacts everybody. And our veterans can vouch for that. They don't send the veterans out uh, short, you know, when they're going to do battle. We're literally like the veterans. We're doing battle in the healthcare field. And is it something that is, uh, you said this mentioned before, that this is something that's across the medical industry. Um, nurses are short, or there's shortages of nurses across the entire medical industry, whether you're civilian or, or in the federal side. Um, is right. That, is but is it a, a problem with um, having, or is there, are, there, are there enough nurses being trained to fill these roles? I'll let Carolina uh, answer that because she is a clinical nurse leader and she's very aware of the training and everything that's available to for nursing. So within the VA specifically, um, we they do offer um, additional training when a problem arises, as well as when it's brought to the attention. So not always to the point of an event, but at the point where it comes to their attention that certain things or certain training um, is needed, and. Along with that, they do have educational resources where they do, you know, pay for certain school funding and things like that for us to be able to increase our education and be able to be, um, you know, well-trained in those areas. But aside from having the training, the training is useless if you're having if you don't have enough nurses to still fulfill those those roles. You can't expect for a nurse, although she may be trained in five different specialties, to be able to fulfill each specialty, especially within a timely manner to be able to provide, you know, efficient care. 
so the the issue isn't necessarily the training because if it's needed, the VA as well as most hospitals, they'll follow up and they'll create programs and they'll create different training um, resources and things of that nature. But the problem still circles back to the source of not having enough staff to even fulfill those needs. When I, when I say training, what I mean is people are going through the school system to the want to, like, nurses that are graduating high school, college, they want to be nurses. Like, people actually applying for these roles, but going to school to become right. nurses. We need educators to train the amount of nurses that are trying to come into the field. So there is a shortage there. Wow. And then uh, with nursing, uh you know, if someone shows interest, but then they can't get in the program, some programs are limited as to amount that they can take in and produce. And, yes, once the VA or any hospital hires, they will train. But it's at the beginning point that we're also drowning, that we just don't have enough nurses coming into the field, and we cannot get them trained. We don't have the educators. The educators make more money working at the bedside than they do in education. And so those are issues, too, because they're not paying them uh, a, a wage that will entice people to go into education. And that's one of the things that I noticed. I worked in a medical company. Um, when I was in the military, but I was a mechanic supporting them. And what I noticed was a lot of the nurses, people that would become nurses or become paramedics and things, they uh, they would never think about working in a VA. Their idea was to go get their training in the military and then go transition into a civilian workforce. Is there could there be a could a remedy be um, trying to encourage more military members who have been trained as medics and um, doc- and worked as surgeons and doctors in, in the military? to transition into, or maybe even they worked in a military hospital, to transition to the VA hospitals? Um, if I can answer that, I... Yeah, um, Go ahead. Because I, I, I just want to say, um, because as of late, especially with the rising needs of nurses as well as other clinicians, they have a lot of bridge programs within a lot of these uh, universities and organizations where so long as you have certain criteria or a certain background and things like that, you're able to bridge into the nursing program. Whereas for me, 10, 12 years ago, you know, I had to do the entire four years versus if you have certain background or knowledge, then you're able to kind of complete the requirements for nursing. And I don't think a lot of people realize that they do have these bridge programs available because time is of essence and no one wants to take the time, you know, to spend four or five years to complete a course. But with these bridge programs, they really do cut you know, that time and still are able to teach you the, you know, the essentials behind nursing. So I think that especially within the VA community um, and the veterans, we have, you know, me working alongside a lot of the veterans, they have a lot of knowledge. And aside from that, they know this population because our VA, our veterans, they are a specific population with specific needs outside of the civilian world. So I think it would you know, serve us well to have them on board and to be aware of those programs and the opportunities that could possibly be available to them in a short amount of time. Now, Adelina, so what can be done? What is missing in uh, in this situation where what's the where is the roadblock where we, we're not well, attracting think, people uh, to the business? Right. One is communication. And one, I think, is the prior history of the VA where they 
probably had a lot of uh, negative uh, comments, but the VA has changed, is still in a flux of changing. And I, I would say to any nurse out there listening, the one thing about the VA, you do have a union, and the union will make sure that your voice is heard. And for our veterans, again, the union will advocate for the veterans' care at the VA. We, that's, that's what our union stands for. We advocate for patient care. And the nurses who come into the VA have a voice. If you think that a doctor uh, is not prescribing the right treatment or the right medication, you can inquire about that. You don't have to stay silent. And we do have recently uh, the VA is training the staff in um, different manners of communication, how not having communication with your staff causes them to shut down. The people who know the most about any kind of work area is the frontline personnel. So the, the VA understands that. And just I'll say actually just in the last month or so that they're starting these programs. Well, I won't say last month, but they're not communicating well either. So they're, they're increasing their communication. So we know we've got some mandatory training of eight hours that we have to do. And, and that's a lot because we don't have the staff to release staff to do eight hours. So they're going to have to pay them overtime or, you know, allow them to work from home to get this done. But the VA is trying to take steps in the right direction. The problem is, and I think in many industry, is communication. So our military personnel don't know what to expect or how to apply their knowledge and training from the military into private sector and into other government jobs. We welcome them. If anybody's hearing and you're a vet, we want you to come to the VA. We know there's a history, but work with us. And we're going to work together to change it, to make it better. And as a nurse, I was talking to other nurses the other day, Carolina's one, that we're lucky that we do have a voice at the VA. Many other hospitals in the area don't have a union, and those nurses are really muted. They can't say what they feel. They can't advocate for their patients, as we can. We just need staff. We need a you know, we need to add more to the team. This is a team. Nursing is a team. Carolina works on a unit that is a team, and that team has to roll together. So what can we do to get the care that nurses need so they won't get into the point where they feel like they they want to, their only option is suicide? We need nurses to understand that there is support there. At the VA that Carolina and I work, and probably at most VAs, we do have a system that the nurses can come and they can be anonymous. Um, there's many, um, you know, numbers that they can also call. They can reach out to the union, which things would stay private. We have assisted nurses who are having challenges, uh, even some of them who've been hurt and, and they're afraid to you know, to say anything, we, we do try to get them accommodation. Uh, we're opening up to where they can work part-time if, you know, working full-time is too much to just try to keep them into, in, into the VA. We have it where they can take leave uh, without pay, if, you know, if they want to. If it's like, look, I just 
I just need a moment. I just need to get out of here. We can support that, but we need for them to come and talk to us. Um, Carolina and I are on the units a lot, and I have pulled nurses from the unit just for 15 minutes because many of them are working nonstop. We had one nurse that we found out had worked over 24 hours in 24 hours. Wow. Literally. That is crazy. Another nurse. Uh, two wow. weeks ago. That's so dangerous. Was- I just interrupt you for a second. That's so dangerous. Like, how is that even legal? I mean, so you're yes. taking care of other people. Yes. you got to watch their medication, make sure they don't overdose right. or underdose on something. You're absolutely right. In administration, we brought that to their attention. The union's able to do that. We had another nurse uh, two weeks ago was delirium on the floor, working so many hours, getting ready to lose their vacation hours. And uh, their manager, happy to say, noticed that one of the other nurses took it to the manager, and right away they interceded, and they got her to, to go home and to get some rest. So these are just recent situations that are occurring due to the shortage of nursing, and we have dedicated nursing. The one who was delirium, she is not working for money. She wants to be there to care for the veterans. Wow. She could care less if you paid her or not. This is the thing I don't understand about the, about, the, about the medical culture, I guess you want to call it, or the hospital culture. I, knew, I know friends, I have friends that are doctors and worked in civilian hospitals. I'm not sure if it works this way in the VA. They have the doctors doing these crazy shifts. Like they're working like these double shifts, like 10, 12 hours or 24 hours. They're, in, they're living in the hospital for like two or three days and they're like on call for like 48 hours or some craziness. And they're getting like two or three hours of sleep. How is that? Why is it set up that way? Why don't they have regular shifts like like a, like in a, a regular job? I think some uh, some hospitals and I, some hospitals have union uh, for the residents and the interns. And so I don't know how that apply at the VA, but our I do see our residents and them leaving at you know appropriate times and stuff. So I can't really vouch for that. I do think they're getting away from that because they see how dangerous. Um, that was. And so many of uh, the other medical staff, they also, in, in the VA, in the government, everybody has a union, even the doctors. So they will, they have, um, you know, in their contract, they have guidance. Uh, our contract, we're still operating under a 2012 contract. We're trying to get the secretary of the VA to sign our current contract. And as um, Carolina stated, the Fairness Act, we are hoping that Congress, I think we got up to 180 Congress uh, persons who have signed on to support that so that we will have more of a say uh, into our uh, patient care and delivery of care and to our workforce. I just need the public to know that the federal employees cannot strike, so we would never leave our patients unattended. So we need a contract so that we can can speak up and, and tell them, no, you know, you need to look at this. You need to look at that. And so right now, there's a law that kind of prevents that. That's a 70, uh, 7244, I believe. And it stops that, and we need that overturned. So we mentioned a, two, a few things in this, in this uh, show. We talked about the fact that there's a shortage of nurses. So suicide rates are rising. You talk about the fact that the military uh, VA hospitals have improved over the last decade or so. 
how is the pay structure compared to a civilian nurse versus a VA nurse? So a VA nurse is not paid according to private sector or according to market. We are always paid on a lower pay scale. And for our veterans, they have to know that that the staff that comes to work at the VA, the, the doctors, nurses, social workers, we can all make money, more money someplace else, but we're there because we're committed. If, you, if Some people say, oh, well, the benefits, but the benefits have been eroded. They're not as, as good as they were at one time, which would have been an offset. That's why we want the Employment Fairness Act to pass so that while we may never be the top paid, we don't want to be the bottom paid. We want nurses to understand that there's pride and dignity in being a federal nurse. We're federal nurses, and by and they need to show that they care about us. That's another problem that leads to depression and maybe even um, suicide is that the nurses are feeling under or not appreciated as to all that they do. Many hospitals have suspended any um, extra pay that they were paying the staff as a retention bonus. Many of them just cut it out. I'm proud to say that our VA has not. They're, they're still going to pay them that till the end of December. Well, why, why did that happen? I don't understand. Why would they, why would they reduce that? It seems like they're, everybody's talking about that they want to increase these budgets for, uh, for uh, VA benefits and things along those lines. So why wouldn't that be one of the things that we would do as far as making uh, sure these retention bonuses Administration that fails, administration that fails, administration that fails, to understand what our leadership in the government now wants for our veterans. And we have administrations, uh, not at Jesse Brown, but we do have administrators that do not want to pay their nursing staff what they should be paid. And we'll never be paid our value. I'm not going to make what uh, a Northwestern nurse makes. I'm not going to make what a... Uh, you know, uh, any other hospital in Chicago is making a top-tier hospital. We are a top-tier hospital. But that's okay. I want to be there for our veterans. But it's not okay not to pay me my worth on the market. And this is what they do. They don't pay market rates. Wow. I think it's interesting you mentioned that. I want to point that out and emphasize that, that Jesse Brown VA is a top-tier hospital. So against the the idea and the stereotype of VA hospitals, we've all some of us have seen the movie or read the book about born and uh, born on the Fourth of July, where it's a true story where a Vietnam vet uh, it comes back from um, stateside and he's in a VA hospital and it's and it's like some it's almost like a scene out of a horror movie. He's got nurses and stuff, the guys peeing on themselves and people are that with amputations, everybody's yelling and screaming and it's just like chaos. And the guy all he wants to do is get his morphine so he can just go back and zone out. You know, for, and, and kind of get some relief from the pain. Today's VA mm-hmm. has evolved so much. Where, it, well, I've, from my experiences, it's yeah. no, it's better, of, not the same as any top tier hospital. At least the ones I've in the Chicagoland area of, of any top tier hospitals at Northwestern or University of Chicago. I've gotten got I've seen I've seen vets get better treatment than I received at places like University of Chicago or Northwestern, which are top tier around the world. These are world class hospitals. Because we're uniquely qualified to care for our vets, just like Carolina stated. She works with vets. We have a lot of vets in our hospital. We have a lot of vets that we work next to as nurses, as our peer. And they're not going to tolerate 
a nurse who is underperforming. They're not going to tolerate it. And, and they will go to the mat for that patient. And so our nurses who have not, who are not veterans, they understand that. And they pick up the same caring and message that our veterans are giving to you. So many, many of our employees across the board are veterans. And that's another thing that keeps the standards high. And also that they have a voice and they can speak up and speak out if they think a care is not appropriate for a veteran. I really appreciate you guys coming on the show and giving us all this information. We have about 30 seconds left. Any final words before Glenda joins us? Because we want to make sure that people understand that this is something that needs to be addressed and something that needs to get out to the public. In about 10 seconds or less, tell us what is the last thing we need to hear. Contract your congressman and have them to sign on to the FAIR FAIR Act and also encourage the the director of the VA, the secretary, to sign NNU contract and support your nurses at the VA that you go to. Come in, support them, because we're there to support you. Adelina Marshall, she's a VA mental health art nurse at the Jesse Brown VA, and Carolina Stewart, she's a nurse and a CNO employee at the VA hospital and the daughter of a U.S. Marine Corps veteran. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.